Today is seven nuggets of wisdom. So each of these men have been given a few minutes, I said a few minutes, to present a nugget if, that they really feel like will help you uh, as far as in your walk with God. So they've, they've been praying about this, seeking the Lord. And so anyway, um, I know that the Lord is going to uh, just help you so you can follow along with them. We're going to go. So let's just line this up the way it should be. Jeff and Adam. Jeff, you need to go to that end. Taylor, you need to come over here. Adam, you can stay right where you are. Taylor, you come right there. And, uh, and then Chuck, you need to move down one. Jeff, you can be right there. You're right there. Um, so we're going to do this by age. <laughs> so that uh, uh, they can do this. I want to make sure that, uh, Brian, you're okay to come on up now. You don't have to stay back there, brother. We're set. We're, we're good here. So you can come on up. Uh, Brian's the one I'm worried about because when he gets the mic, he's, he feels like it's... So Robin tells me to really... Robin's shaking her head, be, be praying. So we'll put Brian on the end, but actually Tim Overman is going to share. Uh, he's going to come, and he asked if he could go last just because of the children's ministry back there. So all these guys are pastors. They help us out here. Some are volunteers. Some are paid. After the service, we're going to take up an offering because this is pastor appreciation. And you're like, well, you know, I appreciate them. I do this for them. I tell them I love them. Well, you're going to dig deep today, and you're going to bless them, okay? Because uh, a lot of times, this is what's wrong with America. We just get this attitude, well, they have or we don't have. And you know what? You need to be a giver and quit worrying about receiving, amen? And, and just give, give and give unto the Lord. And I know the Lord will bless you um, as you do that and stuff. So anyway, they're each going to share a nugget and... We'll see how this goes. Um, so, Taylor, you get to go first. All right. So, uh, how much time do I get? Four minutes. Holy smokes. <laughs> Gave a preacher four minutes. Okay. Right, hold on. I haven't started the timer yet. All right. I'm waiting to start the timer until I'm ready to start talking, so I'm not cutting into my time here. No, Okay. So here's my quick little nugget of wisdom. This is really going to help you out if you want to get deeper into the word, but you're having a hard time doing that. So I'm going to give you three practical steps, three things that you need. Number one is this, buy a Strong's Concordance or find a Strong's Concordance. That's step number one. Step number two, when you want to learn something, let's say about giving or about love or about anything, Look up that word in the strongest concordance and then read every single passage about that word. It's going to give you the overall context of what the whole entire Bible says about that. And if the Bible does not contradict itself, then it's going to give you the full picture about love. It's going to give you the full picture about giving. It's going to give you the full picture about whatever it is. Step number three is buy a good Bible dictionary. When you buy this, it's going to give you what the definition of that word is within the Bible. The one that I recommend is a dictionary of biblical languages with semantic domains for the Hebrew and Greek. Okay, now I've got two minutes and 55 seconds. Now I can breathe a little bit. Okay, when you do this, this method is going to teach you to go directly to Scripture first, and Holy Spirit is going to teach you more that way. So, 
what we tend to do is, I don't know exactly what this means, so I'm going to go read a commentary and somebody else's thoughts. So what this is going to do is this is going to teach you how to engage with Scripture. You're going to find a lot of cross-references, and now you're getting your interpretation from the Word of God and not from somebody else's own opinions and thoughts, okay? The reason why this is important is because when you do this method, you are going to find out what the Bible actually says, and you're going to be able to see how things become misinterpreted and mistaught because the Bible actually says something else, something different, right? Um, the reason why a dictionary is so good, a Bible dictionary, is because it's going to give you what the word actually means within said passage. So, for example, Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another man. The word sharpens in the Hebrew is hadah, and it means in the first part of that passage, as iron sharpens iron, the word hadah means to literally sharpen, right? To set an edge to a blade. Now, the second word, sharpened, used within the second half of that verse, so one man sharpens another man, it's the same word, but it's used in a different sense, and the, and the dictionary is going to tell you that. So the sense in the second part of that passage means to sharpen in the sense of change somebody's perception of life, urging them to be taught in a different manner. So as iron sharpens iron, so one man helps to change the perceptions of life of another man. So now we see what the dictionary, how that Hebrew word is used in that passage. Okay, and it's going to help you keep things in context. It's going to help you get to the root of what a passage actually is saying. And with that, I'm 30 seconds under time. Okay. Oops, sorry, <laughs> so my nugget is this. Go ahead and put my, my Bible verse up there. I have Genesis chapter 50, 20. You know, Owen's been speaking about Joseph and if there's anybody's life I can identify with in the last few years, it's Joseph. Um, you know, just I'll make the negative part really short, but in 2016, I went through a really difficult time. My wife left. I did not break my vows, um, but she chose to leave anyway. Um, it was a really difficult time, but God meant it for good. Are you with me? So here's the thing, a couple things. One, when things like that happen in your life, you need to press into God more. Yes. Not less. Don't hide. Don't run. You need to press into God more. And it may not work out the way you think it will or the way that you hope it will, okay? But God still means it for good. Amen? So this is the thing. God will bring healing his way, and it's always going to be good. So that, that verse right there, the part I take out of that is just that part, but God meant it for good. Here's the thing when we read, just tagging off of what Taylor said, I'm not the vice president of America, and I didn't store up grain for seven years to feed people for seven years, so I'm not Joseph, right? Okay, I can't apply all of that, but I can apply the principle that God means it for good. So I don't know, maybe somebody's here this morning and you're facing a really difficult time. Can I just tell you, God will work good in your life, even through difficult circumstances, if you let him. 
But here's one thing you got to go. Here's a little nugget on my nugget is this. You need to remember it's more important to be well than to be right. So even if you're right in the whole thing, you got to let go of that too and just work on being well. So let me tell you the positive outcome of what's happened. First of all, God brought me this sweet girl, Sherry, into my life. She has been my healing and my hope. Okay? He's my hope. But she, he, and it was one of those things, my sister's very philosophical, and she said, you know, you came to a crossroads in your life. There's no way to go forward. Just left to right. You don't know what's around the corner, but God does. See what God had around the corner? Right? It's all good. Now, let me tell you the, the, the end of the story. There still needs to be reconciliation as much as there can be, right? Like, we're not getting back together. She remarried, and at that time, I felt I'm free to, to do. Again, I kept my vows according to Scripture. I'm free to remarry. But what did happen just a little while back, I'm going to tell this. Is that all right? Is that I'm sitting in my office, and Owen walked by and said, uh, you need to come to my office real quick. Tom is outside. Now, Tom is the other man. And Tom came in, and Tom looked like he hadn't slept in a few weeks. I mean, he looked bad. Didn't he? It, was, it was awful. And God was dealing with him. And he said, God's been dealing with me. Now, this man claimed to be a Christian man, okay? What happened was not what God would have had happen, but again, God meant it for good, right? He's going to work good. What the enemy intends for evil, God intends for good. Amen? So the enemy meant to destroy us, to destroy me, okay? But God worked good. So anyway, he came in asking my forgiveness. So what do I need to do as a believer in Jesus Christ? I gave him forgiveness, right? Now, sometimes forgiveness is, first of all, a mental agreement with God. You're, you're forgiving, even if you don't feel it. Are you hearing me? Because my Bible says if you don't forgive, God won't answer your prayers. So you want your prayers to be heard, you better forgive. So I did. And about a half an hour later, Katrina, my ex-wife, came in and asked me to forgive her. And I did. Because there's no, there's no reconciliation completely, but there can be a reconciliation where we, we've got kids together. We need to be able to be in the same room and it not be so awkward. Amen? Right? So there comes a time, if they want to come here when it's Mother's Day because her mother is here, right, that should be okay. i got to be able to deal with that. Now, I wouldn't, wouldn't want every week. That would be awkward, right? Everybody knows. Okay. Now, that would be weird. No, thank you. But God did bring a help and a hope and a healing. And so my nugget for you is hang on to God when times get tough. He means it for good in your life. I'm going to get the timer out, too, just to be safe. <laughs> All right. So great words uh, everybody's given today. Um, and a couple of scriptures, I think the guys got them up there. They're going to, uh, Psalms 90 and verse 12. I just want to read this. You've probably heard it before. Some have heard it. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. The New Living Translation says, Teach us to realize the brevity of life. How many understand the brevity of life? You know, when you're 20 years old and 25, you know you're going to die, but it's just out there. 
Recently, Jackie and I uh, went and did a little study on retirement. And you know, retirement is not something you read in the Bible, right? Everybody knows that? It's not there. But we were doing a little Bible study, and one thing it encouraged us to do was to number our days. If you're whatever age, typically you'll live to be, God willing, to, you know, 80, 85, whatever, even 90. Uh, you know what? It's not that much time. And throughout the scripture, over and over, we just were being told that our lives are like the flowers that are in the field. They bloom, and then they're gone, right? So I want to encourage you today in the wisdom I feel like God has given us, because that's what Psalm 90 is the oldest psalm. It was written by Moses, and in verse 12, he's saying to realize that, Lord, teach us to number our days that we may obtain wisdom. You get wisdom just by realizing your life is this long. Isn't that encouraging? It's, it's here and gone. Many of us know that. My mom said it many times before she passed away. Where has the time gone? But I will tell you this. In the time we have here, Acts 16.31, um, Paul is telling, uh, actually it's, it's Paul and Silas, are telling the jailer they had been in jail and God supernaturally set them free. In uh, Psalm 16.31 um, it records what the jailers, uh, what they told the jailer at that time, uh, because he was going to take his life. Uh, he says, Paul says, believe in the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior and entrust yourself to him, and you'll be saved, you and your household, if they believe also. Folks, the, the, the greatest miracle of all is salvation. I mean, you hear somebody being raised from the dead, that's, that's awesome. But I'm telling you, a life changed because they accepted Christ. You ever seen somebody go in maybe your own life from being ugly in sin, you know, to God redeeming them? Amen? Amen. What a miracle is that? I want to encourage you today that the greatest thing is don't play games with God. Don't straddle the fence. Don't do things halfway with Jesus. Somebody say amen, amen. this morning. The worst thing you can do is try to go through life at half speed you know, and not do things fully. We're told in churches across this nation on a Sunday morning, just like this, people come in and go out and uh, they're not really saved. They've never really accepted Christ as their savior. And so I say to you to, to take that seriously, to take your relationship seriously. As I look back over my life, uh, some of our families here today, uh, I will tell you this, uh, Psalms 37.4 says to delight yourself also in the Lord and he'll give you the desires and secret petitions of your heart. Folks, I'm here. I'm a testimony to tell you God will give you the desires of your heart. How many can raise their hand and say amen? Amen. amen. I'm not done. Hang on. He's ready to... I, I still got five seconds. <laughs> I want to encourage you though. Don't hold back. God's got a lot of Good for you. Amen. Amen. All right. So I was beginning to pray that uh, what God wanted me to share. And uh, we, uh, Brian and I, do a, do a sp uh, class on Monday morning on Facebook. But uh, we talk about relationship with the Father. So... Uh, I began to ask God, well, what do you want me to, and, and 
I think I, I felt like he has said to tell them how you talk to me. And I thought, oh, that's great. <laughs> People look at you like, you talk to God? Yeah. And I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. <laughs> oh, he talks back to you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, <clears throat> but I really feel like that uh, what he wanted me to share was that if you, if you feel like you're stuck in your life and you can't get to where he is trying to take you, uh, just to open your heart up to him, as, uh, as I began to do that, and, and I began to pray and ask him, show me how. I, you know, I was reading through the Bible in a year, and I was doing this and that, trying to better myself. And um, that doesn't work. For me, it didn't work. I, I needed him to better me. And uh, so I, need, I began to praise him for what he had done for me. Um, began to praise him for who he said I was in the Bible. Uh, through, through uh, you know, uh, just different things that has caused me to grow. And as I began to pray, uh, pray and ask him how he wanted me to study his word, I felt like that he said uh, to go and, and, and he would give me different scriptures or get different uh, uh, words in the Bible to study. And uh, so I began to, to do what I felt like he was saying. And uh, some of the things I would do was to search in the Bible but God, or uh, another thing I began to search was that, you know, he, he said that you shall be my people and I should be my God. And you begin to read all the different uh, verses in the Bible that has these sayings in them. You know that, uh, that God builds this relationship with you and you can, you can talk to him and, and be close to him and to know that that uh, God is, he's there for you. He's there with you. And it's okay to, uh, if you're alone, it's okay to, to talk to him because he, he wants a relationship with you. He wants to love you like uh, no one here on this earth can love you. He has a special love that he's, he's trying to uh, fill each one of us with. And um, one of the other things I looked up was just as, and, you know, and it goes in, a, uh, if you look a few of them up, it says, just as God has forgiven us, we have to forgive others. Or just as God loved you, you can love others. And just as God served you, you can serve others. And, and uh, that, that is, we have a, a command and a commission in the Bible. And, uh, you know, obviously the, the command was, you know, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and your mind, and to love others as yourself. And we can't do that with this flesh on us. We have to have God within us to do that. Um, and then the commission is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And we have to, uh, we have to display Jesus. And I feel like one of the things that God has put within me is his peace. And uh, I don't, I, I can't explain it. And even the Bible says, uh, says that, that, uh, you know, that uh, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives. And uh, this peace is unexplainable. That's what the Bible tells us. And if, if you're lacking peace, uh, you know, I just encourage you to have this relationship with, with the Father, to walk with him. Um, you know, one of the, one of the, things that I think is, uh, 
helped a lot for me is the book of Ephesians. You know, if you read the first chapter, there's over 30 things that Paul has written in there. Um, what God has given us, what God has done for us. And uh, the, the book of Ephesians, I feel like the first three chapters in that uh, book is it's just all of what God says you are. And then the last three, verses four through six, is how we are to walk them out. And uh, it, the, obviously, verse uh, uh, chapter six talks about uh, putting on the armor of God. And, uh, but, but God has a spatial love and a spatial peace. Um, and, and the thing that I feel like it, uh, some people, I know I've done this before, and, and still I have to watch myself that I don't do it. But uh, when, you, when you look at what uh, God told Peter, get behind me, Satan, and we can all get in the flesh. But uh, one of the other things I feel like that uh, God showed me was, um, and Brian and I just talked about this this week, is in uh, Luke 18, 19, and Jesus answers and says, why do you call me good teacher? There's only one, no one is good except God alone. And if Jesus said that, you know, he's got the flesh on him. But it doesn't matter if we make a mistake. If we go to the Father, he still wants to bless us with the good things he has for us. He still wants to, uh, and I believe that he says this to people, is good job, my, my servant. And uh, when we serve him and make it all about him, uh, life is just, uh, I've never felt so fulfilled as I have uh, these last four years. And yeah, I, I retired four and a half years ago, but God has done so much in my life. Uh, I would, it would take me a long time to share the things I see God do weekly. It isn't just uh, every once in a while. But he hears our prayers, and he answers. And uh, he just wants you to have a peace, and I believe that, uh, that he just wants to love on you. And with that said, what Jesus did was give God all the glory for everything that he'd done. And I have to give God the glory. I could not be in the walk that I'm in right now without him. And uh, so I praise him. I give him glory for what he has done in me, but also what he is doing in me. I know he's not finished yet. Okay, come up here, Brian. So, besides the following speaker, just be quiet a minute, be quiet. The following speaker after him, I've probably known the longest, but I've known this guy the second longest because um, we were on staff together for years, but before that, when I was a youth pastor, they, uh, they told me I had to be in a play called Surrender, and I had the lead part of the janitor. And so we went up to Elkhart, Indiana to do this for the church up there, and I met Brian and Robin because Brian was on staff, and I looked at Brian and I thought, how did he get this beautiful woman, God? I, there is no way. You know, she was doing everything, as she always has. And, uh, but anyway, he's been a blessing. And I remember when Brian hadn't even started attending our church and he had a heart attack 
and he had five bypasses going on, and I went to the hospital, four, and I went to the hospital, and he was, he was crying. And he said, I don't know how I'm going to make it financially, what we're going to do. And I came back to this church, and I said, we need to help Brian and Robin. And you guys poured out of your hearts. And that Sunday, we raised over $6,000 to help take care of him because he was no longer in ministry, and, uh, and it was really hard. But I just want you to know, this guy has such a servant's heart, and, he, and he's, he's just always looking to help people, and I love him so much. So, okay, Brian, you got three minutes. <laughs> yeah. And I got, four, I got 40 minutes worth of notes here. So. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, I'm going to speak on servitude, and not that I am a great servant or anything. In fact, sometimes I think it's more of a miracle that God uses me than he uses the rocks. And, and, and if you look at us, God uses us as open vessels, but we're are of a carnal nature, aren't we? And rocks aren't. So it's more of a miracle when God uses a, a, a human of, of carnal nature than he would use some rock to preach his gospel or a donkey, you know. But I have three dimensions of servitude, or you can call it three growth steps because they are growth steps. And I found that in my ministry, servitude is something that you kind of grow in these dimensions uh, of, of it. The first dimension, because I, I got to get going here, is the physical dimension, okay? That which we, uh, is need, which we use and is needed to new, use our basic needs. In other words, I receive payment for it. Now, in ministry, I have received payment. You know, when I was pastor in Elkhart, I received a payment for that. I was called to do it by God, but still I received the payment. So that was a kind of a physical dimension, first kind of step dimension of servitude. Uh, I was called to the ministry, but guess what? I never felt God calling me to the bus ministry, but my senior pastor says, you're the bus pastor. So I had to do it, right? So in a sense, I was called, but I was being paid to do something that I really didn't hear God say, you're doing this. But, but that, that is a, kind of the first step of, of, uh, of servitude. The, the, uh, the second step is the service of the heart, okay? So once you get past that, and a lot, of, a lot of you are not paid to do your ministry, but God still has called you as a minister. God has called each and every one of you into his, into his service, okay? Galatians says, uh, you have been called into the living freedom, my brothers and sisters, but do not use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve and, and uh, <clears throat> one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up into this commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, also, you can read 1 Peter 4.10, Philippians 2, 3, and 4. But this is a part of servitude that... <clears throat> um, you serve with your heart. You get past the point of, I, I don't need money to do this, okay? I'm doing it because I have a heart to serve my brothers and my sisters, okay? That's the second dimension of, uh, or second step of serving Christ. It comes from your heart. Then, then the final one is the spiritual service. This is the deepest, okay? 
this is where, and Chuck and I have been talking about uh, in discipleship, walk as Jesus walked. This is, Christ is the greatest example of servitude. And we are to walk as he walked. And it's a spiritual service, serving God as Christ did, not out of our need for reward or our duty or a calling, but because of our love for him and our genuine spiritual desire to do so. Romans 6 says, but now we have been released from the law, for we died for it long ago, uh, we were captured by his power, but now we can serve God not in the old ways of obeying the letter of the law, but in a new way of living in the Spirit. It's a spiritual uh, aspect. Romans 12, 1 calls it a spiritual worship. This is a, a servitude that is a spiritual worship unto God. It's a, such a deep desire uh, to do so. Um, and... I haven't looked at the clock how many minutes do I have. <laughs> but, but anyway, um, uh, this should be our, uh, each of our goals to worship, to have a worship service unto God. Um, I think the woman, uh, besides the gr- great example of Christ, Another great example of servitude is the woman who, who came in and, and broke the alabaster jar and wept at Jesus' feet and, and cried on his feet and washed his feet with her hair and her tears. And the man said, if you knew what sinful person that, that she was, you wouldn't be doing this. And if you knew how much this alabaster, this uh, spikenard cost, a year's wages for the average family. A year's wages for this oil that she poured on Jesus' feet. What a great example of love and servitude. And, and Jesus told them, look, she is doing this and loving me so much more because she had so much sin that was forgiven her. And he said, go and sin no more. And he forgave her her sins. And this was just a fantastic uh, example of servitude, of love this woman had for Christ. And that's the heart that we need to have towards our servitude for Christ, is that we do it out of love. So we graduate from payment. We graduate from just a, 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 a calling of, a, of a, a duty or a call to one that we just have to do it out of our love for Christ. And, uh, and, and again, I, I'm, no, I'm no, nothing perfect, but the thing is, is being an, open, being an open vessel. I wouldn't be standing behind this pulpit right now if it was an open vessel, uh, because I just would have told him, no, let somebody else speak. But the thing is, is he asked me to, so you're stuck with me. <laughs> So God bless you, but just have that heart, that heart of, of desire, of, of love for God that you want to serve everyone around you. And God will increase your love. Read chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 if you want to increase your love every day, twice a day. In the morning before you go to bed, 
it will increase your love and your desire to serve him. And lastly, but not least, because he was back there with our children, is Pastor Tim Overman. And Tim and I have known each other since we were teenagers. We played a lot of softball, a lot of basketball. And I remember when he was dating Rhonda, and our friendship just kind of waned and separated because he disappeared. Uh, left, just quit the team, softball team, didn't say anything. And I'm like, where are you? Because I'm so competitive. He's like, man, I met this girl. I, 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 I can't be playing softball anymore. But I want to tell you something about this guy. This is probably one of the greatest servants huh, that I know. And he's probably if not the best, one of my best friends. And I, I was telling Shalee the other day, man, Tim has always been there for me. No matter what's gone on in my life, and he's the one that went and ratted to my wife before I actually asked her out that, hey, my friend wants to take you out. You need to go out with him. So he helped set me up with Shalee because he was a Harrison writer, but I love this guy, Tim Shear. Thank you. Well, I don't even need to speak now, so... I will let you know I'm totally out of my comfort zone up here, but uh, uh, Owen just kind of ruined everything for me, but <laughs> I've uh, worked under Owen many of years, and uh, I know you guys have probably heard this story, but I'm going to tell it again. I, when he was the youth pastor, my wife and I worked under Owen. We helped him out, him and Shaloy, and uh, there was four of us that would go out for breakfast on Wednesday mornings, and... Um, it was a, just a Bible study, and just for guys, just the four of us, and we'd go out, and everybody had to do something once a week. They had to take their turn and say something. Well, at that time, I hate to read. I'm not going to lie to anybody. I still hate to read. So they'd, hey, man, you're in, you're in your word? And I said, no, man, I hate to read. I'm not, forget it. So... They finally got me to where I was reading the Bible. Well, where I'm going with this is I started in Proverbs, and it's still the favorite book of the Bible for me. And you young people, I know there's, I'm probably not the only one out there that hates to read, but the book of Proverbs is fantastic because there's 31 chapters, and most months you can read a chapter a day, and that's how I got started. So once I did get started, I got really involved in everything I've talked about, though, was out of Proverbs. But young people, older people, middle-aged people, Proverbs has everything in it that you need as far as your life. It'll tell you everything you need to know. But when Owen called me the other day to ask me to say something, he's always weary to let me get up here. So uh, with good... But he asked me for my verse that I try to live by. And it's in uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse 3 through 5. And let me find it because it says, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones to 
little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and drowned in the depth of the sea. And I really try to live by that verse because I do work with children, and I do not want ever to make one of them stumble. And that verse has been with me for a long time, and I try to live by it. Am I perfect? No way. But uh, that's why I'm back there and not up here. So, and I have no problem with that. So, but I do want to thank you guys for letting me have the opportunity with your children, for, you know, trusting in me to, to lead them and guide them and hopefully grow in the Lord. So, um, but saying that, I got a commercial too. I still need two teachers. <laughs> I need someone uh, in the infant and I need someone in the three or uh, five to kindergarten and five in kindergarten. So if anyone wants to come and see me after church, I'll take you. So thank you guys very much. I love all of you. And uh, Church Alive is a place to be. Amen. So we're going to close. But as we close, uh, a friend of mine who's a pastor sent this to me. He said, Owen, you need to look at this. Uh, 97% of pastors have been betrayed or falsely accused uh, or hurt by those that have been in the church or even trusted friends. Seventy percent of pastors battle depression. Seven thousand churches close each year. Fifteen hundred pastors quit each month. So fifteen hundred pastors are leaving the ministry each month. Seven thousand churches a year. During COVID, we were averaging twenty over twenty thousand churches were shutting down a year. Only 10% of those that start in ministry will finish. It used to be 20, now it's only 10%. 80% of pastors feel discouraged. 94% of pastors' families feel the pressure of the ministry. 78% of pastors have no close friends. And that's not a poor pastor statement. What that is is to show you that the devil hates ministers. Just as he, he battles you, he really battles those that are feeding the flock of the Lord. And uh, I was reading those to my wife, and she goes, wow. She goes, you're something else because you don't battle hardly any of that. And I said, it's just God. It's just knowing who he is and loving him and trusting him through all the things that you walk through. So my nugget for you today is this. God decides and you discover. God decides and you discover. Moses was assigned to the Israelites. Aaron was assigned to Moses. You've been given by Christ an assignment, and it's up to you to find it and to fulfill it. That's what he has for you. And as you're looking for that, that assignment and to fulfill it, let me just tell you something. You'll face many seasons in that journey. If he's assigned you a spouse, there's seasons there. If he's assigned you a job, there's seasons there. There's seasons in the area of ministry he's assigned you. Sometimes you'll feel persecution, disillusionment, disappointment. Other times you'll sense mentorship. 
you'll sense correction. But in that process of your assignment, God will grow you. So I just want to read one passage of Scripture out of Acts 28. I think this says a lot. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And the Apostle Paul's on a ship. He's requested to go to Caesar, requested to be in front of Caesar. But so many times he went through so much, and this is what happened to him. They were on the ship, a storm came. They were trying to lighten the load, and some of the men were going to jump off, and Paul said, listen, I know the storm's bad, but if you'll stay on the ship, you'll be safe. But if you leave the ship, you will die. Even though sometimes the ship looks like it's falling apart, your ministry, your marriage, your children, your parents, your job, your neighborhood, whatever it is, your health, stay on the ship of Christ. Stay on the ship of Christ. And they made it to the shore and they were on an island. And after we were brought safely through, it says in verse 1, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all. Because it had been begun to rain, it was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks to put into the fire, a viper came out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the native people saw that creature hanging on his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. As you pursue your assignment that God has given you, vipers will come and they will bite. Can I tell you, shake them off into the fire. Shake them off no matter what's come your life. You've walked through divorce. Adam talked about that. You've walked through pain and heartache and hurt physically. Shake the viper off. Don't let it stop you from accomplishing the assignment and discovering God's will because there's no greater pleasure. Stand with me this morning. If you don't know Jesus, you can receive him as your Lord and Savior. He loves you so much. All you got to do is say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Become my Lord and Savior, and he will. Just with your heads bowed, I'm going to pray for you. But I'm going to ask everybody, as the ushers are at the door, would you give today to bless the pastors? Just do something out of the ordinary. Because one of the statements I had written down here is, as you do something unto the kingdom of God, it's amazing what God does back for you. It blesses him. And you can never outgive God. Amen? So with your heads bowed, we are so blessed, Lord, that when Moses came out of the tabernacle of speaking with you, his face glowed with your glory, and he had to put a veil over his face because the people couldn't look at him. Because of you, Jesus, we don't have to have a veil anymore, and we're full of your glory, and your glory shines, and we gather more glory as we continue to grow in you your righteousness grows in us and lord wherever we go we make a difference i'm so grateful to be in the ministry i'm so grateful to pastor such an awesome church with amazing people throughout the years 
We are blessed. Help us, Lord, to reach more, to love more, to disciple more, and to serve more. That's our goal. We pray blessing upon all these today and allow them to make a difference in Jesus' name. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week.